What's up, Hey Basin Faithful, and welcome to Good Morning Arapaho Basin, the show that takes you behind the scenes of your favorite ski area to bring you the voices and the stories that make us the legend. Good morning, Arapaho Basin. This is WRDF424. Please stand by for your morning update. Greetings once again from the third floor of the A-frame, where we cannot use the toaster and the microwave at the same time or we'll blow a fuse. It's a very old building. I am your host, Catherine Fuller, back with newly minted Arapaho Basin Vice President of Marketing and Skier Services, Jesse True. Nice to see you, Catherine. Congrats on the promotion. Why, thank you. Uh, fair warning, I will treat you no differently. Understood and appreciated. <laughs> so I thought midway through the season would be a good time for this episode where we really delve into how to understand and experience our terrain like a local. And I don't mean giving away secret stashes. I mean sharing insight from people who have been skiing and working here on the snow for decades. And to do that, I sat down with two of our longtime staff who've been skiing here for a combined 60 years. And what I really want to do is equip our listeners to have a great day at Arapahoe Basin, no matter what the conditions are. So Jesse, you were talking before we started about why for us, there's value in being really honest about our terrain and our conditions. Yeah, I think we were talking a little bit about sort of why our brand and our our voice, if you will, the way that we communicate and how we communicate is important to our guests. And I think there's a couple reasons. One, this mountain, like many mountains, but specifically this mountain um, really changes with the weather, the wind. Um, I'm sure Tony and Gates get into that, but also it's really important that our guests get a authentic piece of information from our employees. And so one of the things that I still find intimidating after all these years is walking into a patrol room. But if you ask anybody here, I think it's important that they give you a good understanding of what's skiing well and what might not be skiing well. So I think it's it has to do with consequence because there is consequential terrain as we've talked about before on the podcast here but also it's you know it's a it's a varied place that has the top of the continental divide has a lot of impact from wind and weather yeah you you actually mentioned why um it's a particularly bad idea to duck ropes here yeah um well one ducking ropes is bad juju no matter what no matter where however this place is different um in many ways one of the ways that it, it, we don't have the opportunity to summer groom much of what we got here is above tree line we can't just cut the grass and and send you down even a blue run underneath that snow is rocky very craggy and can be dangerous even if it is a you know early season blue run if you catch uh, a strainer or a snag or a rock and so i think it's really important for people to understand that our our mo and our mentality from patrol all the way through to our office in marketing is honesty and transparency for everyone's benefit, not just for fun. It's important. Yeah. So if you don't want to listen to the entire episode, I can sum it up for you very briefly. Wind is our friend. North first south facing aspects are very valuable to understand. And you'll never have a bad day skiing or riding if you take the time to really get to know an individual mountain. But Jesse, you also had some non-weather-based tips for figuring out how to navigate this mountain on any given day. Yeah, I think it's important to read the crowds as well. If you're here on a Saturday in January and it's busy, 
understand that a vast majority of people are going to go up the mountain and head back to Montezuma Bowl where the sun hits first, uh, and it's going to be crowded at 10 a.m. So, you know, think about reading the crowds about where people are heading and go somewhere else. Understand that we now have a six pack on Lenaway and whether the line looks really long, that lift will transport people uphill very quickly. And it's probably a really cool experience. Len Parks, as you and I've talked about, Catherine, is one of the best playgrounds, well, in the business and certainly here. Uh, and so go do a few laps in Len Parks. It's, it's nice when the shade's on it. You know, I always start with slalom slope right up Palais, start with slalom slope, as many people uh, that work here do. But, you know, that gives you an idea of sort of how the entire aspect, all the way from the top of Lenaway, all the way over to Powder Keg are going to ski. And so, you know, you can start reading both the terrain and the snow conditions, but also the crowds. And that gives you, a, I think, a better overall experience for the day. There are a couple of things you learn pretty quickly when you come to work here or become a regular guest here. One is that after it snows, it often skis like more than we report. And two, after it snows, powder has a way of sticking around longer than you might expect. If that sounds like me BSing you because I'm a marketing person, stick around. I asked two friends who have been working on the mountain for decades to help explain why both of those things are true. I am Gates Lloyd. I am the snow sports director, and I've been in this role since 2015 and worked here part-time since 1989. Uh, for the listeners out there, my name is uh, Tony C. Uh, I'm the director of development and planning. I've uh, just recently acquired that title, Gates. I've been in mountain operations here for about 25 years. I started as a lift op in 1998. I'd like to think that I've now skied every aspect and every run and every nook and cranny of this uh, beautiful ski hill. You did recently say North Glade was one of your favorite runs yeah. off the poly lift. Yeah. You know, it's I kind of have a, a designated first few routes of my day, and I'm sure that I'm not the only one. I think that's why they call standard standard is because it's your standard first run. I love that uh, standard into 13 down to International, Thigh Ridge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm going to use a lot of names here that uh, probably the, the rest of our public doesn't know about. But, uh, you know, we things happen here. And like a lot of ski runs here, they remind you of people and places and events that have happened before. So that's how, um, yeah. And you asked me about North Glade, sorry. Uh, <laughs> the North Glades Gate is awesome because it's one of those places where you first learn to dance at A Basin. And that's how I kind of describe the skiing in there. It's like, just because it's white, doesn't mean it's like full send. <laughs> you, you do that dance until you get up to about an 80 inch base yeah. where, you know, it's good in between the salt and pepper, but uh -huh. it's, uh, you gotta take her easy every once in a while and through there. And, and when you become more familiar with it, you try and make it look better. All right. If you had to pick a run, but so my run is, uh, uh, make my way to the summit and then come down King Cornice, uh, and drop off somewhere into APG or the Knolls and come down through the desert, book on down to uh, the International Traverse, and um, find my way back to the bottom of Polly. It's funny you say that, because King Cornice is one of my favorite afternoon runs. Yeah, I like, I like to go there, I say hi to my dad. That, that's where I go to no, say no, hi kidding. to my dad, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's funny, there's always a black crow that's flying above that knoll sign on the King Cornice, and for some reason, somebody told me once that like spirit of ex-skiers always live in black crows. 
And uh, <laughs> I, I always think that that's, uh, I always think of Leif Borgeson when I see that crow flying above. Yeah. Noisy. <laughs> <laughs> We'll start here. Three days ago, we got seven inches, and then we had two bluebird sunny, dry days. I think all of us went out skiing yesterday, and it was awesome. It hadn't turned to ice. It hadn't just all disappeared. What is it about this place? <laughs> you know, I think I'd like to start on Monday morning because it was super cold, right? Most of the snow, most of that seven inches had probably fallen, I'd say five of it fell Sunday afternoon. Sometimes people don't understand, right? Like if five inches falls after 5 a.m. on Sunday, we're going to report that on 5 a.m. Monday. But skiing Monday morning, super cold. And uh, it skied as if, you know, the wind kind of buffed everything out a little bit. And it kind of skied as if that seven inches had fallen overnight. So just because uh, the perception was there that people had already skied it in, I didn't think that was true. And as long as the sun... Seemed to warm everything up by 11, but yeah, still cold, cold snow. Yeah. To get to your point about, for me, I, I grew up uh, sailing as a kid. And so as a sailor, you're always aware of where the wind is coming from. And, and more importantly for skiers, where it's going. If there's a secret, that's the only secret. That as a skier, pay attention to what the weather's been doing. And that's that's the joy of having a local mountain. We were talking about, before the podcast started, we were talking about chasing snow for an inch or two, or, you know, would you go here for X inches more than the other place? But uh, the fun about it is that, uh, with all apologies to Thomas's English muffins, the, the, you, as, a, as a skier here, you get to know the nooks and crannies, and that's where the snow stops, is in the nooks and crannies. And the wind puts it there. Yeah, that's why you like to ski the King Cornus first thing. Exactly. Because our zonal winds are northwest here. So when you are skiing the King Cornus, you drop into the Knolls, West Wall. Yeah. Wildcat, if there's four inches, but the wind's blown 15, 20 miles an hour from the northwest, yeah. there's going to be eight to 10 there. Well, and that, that's why you hear locals talking about um, free refills. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Free refills, and yeah. everybody who skis here regularly knows exactly what that means and where to go to get those free refills. And it doesn't even have to snow if no. you're talking. If you're talking exactly. about if you're talking about the poly, like right. the spine. Yeah. When everyone, if you hear somebody on the radio say "surfs up," the spine is the first place you go. It's recycled snow that you find yeah. because of the wind blown effect that yeah. makes those areas. Even in days when it hasn't snowed in a while, it's such good skiing. Yeah, I remember. I remember vividly uh, skiing. Uh, below first bowl in the poly and staying on the uh, right hand skiers right of Main Street and the wind had tumbled some grapple kind of snow uh, spring snow and up onto just that right hand edge kind of like a quarter pipe and I remember I, I took four runs in there because it was unbelievable I'd never skied snow like that and there was a zone that was probably four or five yards across and about 50 or 60 yards long that was worth going back up for time and time again. On his blog, Al talks a lot about the good wins. And every time he references that, we get questions of what does that mean? Because people think windy, they think cold. But you talk about the nooks and crannies of our terrain, and we try to explain this 
we talk about why we don't groom a lot and why our, honestly, our intermediate runs in particular are so fun because it's not just wide, straight, cut runs, just go down the mountain. It's really creative terrain. And it's not just, I think, more fun to play on, but it's all this wind and the aspect too. And talk about that and the aspect, the elevation, how we really are in a unique position with all of those things that kind of come together to make this place ski so well, even many, many, many days after a storm. You know, before Zuma and before the Beavers, the 490 acres that we skied was all north facing. Right. So as far as days after storm, it the sun didn't affect a lot of that terrain. And so you knew it was going to be great quality snow mm-hmm. and it stayed cold. And that's the key. And that's why elevation is uh, our friend here as well. It's yep. uh, Yeah, I, I grew up skiing with trash bags on rainy days, but you went out in trash bags because that was going to be the best snow. It was soft. <laughs> After the warm front went through, everything locked up and that was the end of that. But at, when I discovered there was something different, I stayed out here. <laughs> and you, you look at the terrain like right underneath the poly lift line. Like, that's why I love the North Glades so much. There's so many different, like, double fall lines. Yeah. Like, when you're in Jackie's Fall, you the roller coaster. There's just so many, you call it, I think you described it as playful skiing. Like, it's just so interesting. Yeah. You know, I've had these arguments with people who say you don't have enough terrain park features. <laughs> well, the whole freaking area is a terrain park. You know, the whole mountain is a terrain park. The whole mountain. Park. You know? yeah. yeah, exactly. And there are, there, are, there are hits and opportunities to do all sorts of crazy stuff here and people have been doing it for years and years so yeah to your point tony absolutely you you know you can go out from making a big swoopy medium turn and and then all of a sudden it's like no i'm gonna start working the sides of the hill we used to have a a run that we used to refer to as the three huck tour when you'd leave phq you'd hit the tower 16 pitch right next to the roman candle Uh uh-huh yeah and then you'd get into falcon you'd launch that that into Falcon, and then you go down to East Gully yeah. and come off the East Gully Cliffs. And that was your three-hawk tour. You got back on Lenaway and uh, <laughs> right back to the top. And I, I hate to uh, spoil that secret, but you talk about Dragon, Falcon, Len Parks. It's always good there. Yeah. Which is I, it, sometimes unbelievable. You'll look around as you're riding the lifts, and it's like, oh, it looks stuff looks skied off. And then all of a sudden, you come down below Stylehang, and it's like, oh, this feels like fresh snow several days later. It's, yeah. That is a really magical spot in particular, yeah. that and the spine, of course. Well, all those little high spots and low spots in there, Mama Bear, Baby Bear, Papa Bear, over into Falcon Dragon, they all, all of those ridge lines trap snow, just like King Cornus does uh, to, a, to a lesser degree. You know, so you, you look for the thin spots and just ski a little bit to the right of it. <laughs> and that's why that's why there's so many uh, permanent snow fences that we've constructed in that area, because we know that, you know, the wind giveth and the wind taketh away. And so that area, like you said, you have to know, like, depending on where the wind came from, you can be on one side of the fence or the other. Yeah. And it's two completely different runs. Yeah. And uh, exactly. so I think that's what's special about that area. And that's why you learn something new every time you ski in there. someone's coming here for the first time advanced expert skier where would you take them and how would you kind of talk them through that sort of exploration and understanding our terrain given kind of you know nor- let's say normal conditions you know maybe we've had a few inches it's not a big powder day but 
I've done that. I, um, a couple of years ago, we had a guy come up from Australia, really good skier, and part of the uh, Australian Instructor Alliance, and straight to Poly. Then go from there. That was before Len X was in, but the Beavers and Zoomer were in. It was about this time of year. For my money, uh, Spine over to uh, Dave's or Spike, get a taste of what the wind has done. That's kind of like how I gauge what's happened. You can read it on the reports and stuff and figure out from yesterday what, where things were blowing from and how hard and all that. But you have to go get your feet in it to figure out where to go. And then just exploring, exploring in there. But like any plan, as soon as you start skiing, it changes. You're like, oh no, we got to do another one here or another one just right over there. Or forget that, too many people are in there. Let's go here. And I also, I like to get people oriented to aspect. And I know that Uh this is the way you ski a lot is by aspect. And that's what, you know, having as much experience as Gates has in all different ski areas, not just at a basin, is that you know not just the wind, but the sun. You know what you may want to wait until 1130 to ski. And, and, you know, sometimes Montezuma Bowl is like that in the spring. Uh But I also like to get people right to the top so that they can see the views from yeah, the exactly. ski area. I mean, the views off the the Zuma side. And that's, again, one of the reasons why I love the Cornice Run. Uh-huh. I think it is the most spectacular view yeah. in in all of skiing. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're, what would you say, two weeks from the sun really starting to get high enough to affect it? You know, I always say the middle of February is when I have to get the labio sand out and the heavy-duty lip jive. Uh, <laughs> I have no this... idea what heavy duty lip jive is. Just for that must be that must be either. a ski instructor. Uh, well, that's term. the that's the white lower lip, you know. So oh. you know you don't get sunburned. Sunscreen's a good idea all year long, but middle of February on it's it's mandatory. So we were laughing a little bit before we started about people who wake up in the morning and literally just go to the place that got the most snow. Um, it could be an inch difference, and just sort of why you think that's maybe not the best approach unless unless it's you know like a foot difference and thinking about planning your day and picking a place to go well you know maybe it is because i'm old (laughs) but uh i i think the 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 funnest part about skiing is getting to know a ski area in in all its conditions and getting to know the basin you know every day i ski i learn a little something extra is that the, for my money, it, you know, if, if there's an inch difference, my, the point before we started was I wouldn't drive 25 minutes to go ski somewhere if there's one inch more. For my money, I, I know what I want to do. I'm driving up here. I'm kind of watching and, you know, you walk from the vehicle to the to the into, to change and you feel the snow under your feet like this morning, just the crazy fluffy two inches that wasn't supposed to fall. Like, huh, this is going to be great in X, Y, and Z. I can already imagine there's no wind. It's like, I know just where I'm going to go. So for my money, that's that's the way to do it. I sometimes get antsy at the ski areas where you have to park and then get on a bus or a gondola to another parking lot. Yeah. Or, and I just, I, I start like twitching. At least here, I know, like right when I, like you said, right when I get out of my truck, I know what I'm in for. I've already got a plan formulated uh-huh. in my head 
Yeah. Because I've seen a, a million days like this before. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, none of us who work here walk on soil very much. <laughs> That's true. The it's, a high, it's a high alpine environment. So Nine months of winter. And Patty will be happy to hear me say this, but you know, you, you definitely, when you step out of your car or your truck, you're, you're walking, you're like, oh, ooh, it's, it's tight today or it's slick or the sun affected it or whatever. But that that's a that's a really important way to gather information, you know, through your feet. We ski and snowboard here and we get a ton of information from our feet. And that's crucial. And this this place also has the opportunity. I, I'm sure you've both found the same thing. But if you are at a ski area, no matter where you are, and there's an opportunity to click out of your skis, put them on your shoulder, even if it's for a 25 step boot pack. Yeah you're going to lose three quarters of the skiing population just by doing that. Absolutely. Everywhere. And we have so many opportunities like that. I mean, especially top of Zuma, everybody who's listening to this, click out of your skis and ski long shoot <laughs> yeah. on one of these days that we're talking about mm-hmm. where it is a two inch day, but it's going to be fat in there. Take it's- your skis off because you're going to get it before anyone else does. Yeah. The East wall, same way. I uh-huh. know it looks huge. I know it's intimidating from the chairlift. It's going to be the experience of a skiing lifetime to climb up to Little Lenaway for the first time, especially like if you've been watching it and watching the patrol, you're like, oh, it looks like it's going to open in about an hour. It looks like it's going to open in about a half an hour. Yeah, that's a cool right. I love that's one of the things I always, uh, you know, I love watching, you know, uh, ski area staff working stuff because then I'm trying in my head like, okay, I think I can get two more runs on this chairlift before I'm going to be the sixth person at the gate. Uh huh. So that yeah. would be another insider tip is pay attention to what the staff are doing. Yes. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. But don't always don't, you know, uh, one of the banes of my existence is when people are yelling at you from the chairlift, open it. When are you going to open it? <laughs> uh, please just let us do this. I promise it's going to be good. It's going to be soon. Yeah. That short hike separates skiers. Yeah. Go yeah. further on the traverse. Just a little. If you're willing to move around, if you're willing to look around, you know, thinking about the bigger mountains, you're not going to get lost. You're not going to end up at a different base area. You're not going to overcommit yourself to something that is just way out of the way. And I like that about here. You can yeah. see a lot of the terrain. It rewards curiosity. Be cautious in the steep gullies with your curiosity. Because <laughs> that, that, that's a piece of terrain that is um, a little different from what you're describing, Catherine, where you don't see it all from the top. And to be honest, that's why we built the Poly Outpost the year before we opened up the steep gullies is we intentionally wanted our staff there so that people could ask questions, so that they weren't reliant on poking around and wondering whether this part goes or not it's uh-huh. stop and ask and, and and the staff has spent more time in there than anyone else and they'd be more than happy to take you to the top of the second steep gully and get you oriented that's one that you can figure out from the top but once you get in there then stop and turn around a lot of people when they ski something they don't stop and turn around and look back up and be like oh maybe next time that shoot to the left is yeah. the one i want that is a good general tip is that talk to patrol. Right. If you're not sure, like, 
I think ours in particular, they're very friendly. Stick your head into one of those buildings and go ask questions. Don't get yourself into trouble on the way out of the way spots. But yeah, we are. We are a great resource. It's something that they love to do. They love talking about skiing. They love talking about snow. Uh, If you find yourself on a chairlift with one of our ski patrollers, one of our ski instructors, somebody who you know spends a lot of time out there, they are a wealth of information. And you should take that opportunity to ask them. So what did you ski so far this morning? (laughs) You're just trying to gather information all day long so that your day is the best one it can be. You know, it's February 2nd and we've, and it's been a cold, it was cold January, I feel. I don't have the data on that, but that's what it felt like. It was and cold. So we haven't had a whole <laughs> lot of um, sun affected snow yet. So I think if somebody's going to be listening to this in March or later, the you know, aspect is going to play a, a huge role. And, you know, if you, if you ski slalom slope first run in late March after a series of sunny days, you, you won't make that mistake again. You're going to wait until late morning, uh, early afternoon. Slalom slope is east facing. It is east facing. And so it's the first to freeze up and the first to soften up. But if you get up there before the before the sun has had a chance to do his thing, then you're going to be in some very, very demanding uh, snow and stay on the north facing stuff until all the south and east facing stuff starts to loosen up. I've heard stories about other ski areas where people you know, they'll bring their GS skis out in the morning, their thinner skis, and rock it around the groom terrain for an hour or two, and then go change into a, something a little fatter, and um, then go off-piste once it's loosened up. Sounds like a great tactic. If you've got the quiver, that would be a great em- employment of it. Something we haven't talked about at all, spring conditions. Right. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I, mean, I, I it, love spring skiing. Yes, let's talk about stuff. spring skiing. Yeah, I mean, because oh, yeah. that's, what, that's what we have when we ski eight months out of the year here, you get a little bit of everything. And I love that. Yeah. It doesn't, it's not all about big powder days. No. I love those too. Sure. But I love early season getting my feet underneath me on groomers. Yep. I, I think that our snowmaking here is way above any other quality of snowmaking in this area. You know, and then you get into that midwinter uh-huh. snow like we're talking about right now what we're skiing and then cold and dry yeah and then right you shed some of the layers come april yeah and and you really work on your timing on what you're going to ski and there is nothing better than that perfect groomer that no one's touched and it's still like ten thirty, and it just softened up into corn yeah I mean, and that's that's part of the whole experience here. Yeah. It's not just about <laughs> the biggest powder days. Spring skiing here is, is, is as good as it gets. If you stop skiing in March, I think you're missing out. You absolutely are. You know, yeah. end of March, April, May, honestly. What was it last year that we had that two-foot day in May? And May 18th. That was unreal, but... In the meantime, it was just interesting and fun. Again, and, reasons to explore. You wander around and see what's what's good. And, and that's when you see like the t- true like culture of skiing emerge from its like wintry hole. You know the the, the vibe here changes, right? It yeah. all of a sudden, like you said, uh, you see a little more skin. People are out there celebrating mm-hmm. the sport of skiing and yeah. riding and. I love that too because it's uh, one of the things that's very unique here, right? All the other ski areas around here close, and everybody wants to come up here to the beach and have their 
end of season party and we're still going to be skiing for two or three yeah. more months. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, that must be nice. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. But it's, uh, yeah, yeah it's, get them uh, all from all over the country. Yeah. yeah. And it's, again, just one of the things that makes this place special, I think. Yeah. You guys were talking about the base and sort of understanding how things change when that number changes. Can you give me a little insight on that? Well, from my perspective, the, it's, this is an 80-inch mountain because the rocks that we ski around and over here, they're still connected to the center of the earth. <laughs> they're, they're not going to come with you when you hit them. They are going to stay in place with a bit of your ski or whatever hit them. So to Tony's phrase, the salt and pepper, you know, those little dark spots... Uh, have to be respected, deeply yeah. respected. You know what? They make new skis every year, so you don't worry. <laughs> right, so you don't worry about hitting rocks. But the whole idea is right. not to hit a rock and tumble into more. Precisely. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Exactly. That's why they make PTEX to fill in gouges. No problem. Um, That's why but, we give pass holders a discount in our tune shop. And there you <laughs> Just, go. We get it. There you go. Uh, but the the dancing, uh, to Tony's phrase, uh, I like that. But the dancing changes. And pretty soon you can start to send it and um, not be concerned about hooking something up that stops your foot and causes you to tumble. And it's changed over the years. I remember when I first started here, we wouldn't talk about opening up the poly until we had a 35 inch base. Now with our compaction roller, for instance, and the benefits that our patrol has seen in sidestepping in compaction as a tool in their mitigation work yeah i mean we're getting we're getting the poly open now at like a 23 inch yeah, base and think of moose hollow think how soon it opens now <laughs> moose hollow only opens because of the hard work of gates and his staff the patrol cannot take any credit actually luke johnson he loves being in there doesn't he yes he does yep, yep. can we talk Shout about out. north fork too i love north fork yeah you know yep. when you know when uh, the patrol knows how to open up north fork when there's moguls in there. I would not encourage <laughs> any of our guests to poach anything with a close sign on it, but it seems like that's the one place that they do love to go into before it's open. And yeah, they do some of our compaction work for us. Exactly. Yeah. Custom compaction. Yeah. When we do get a powder day, so we had... I think we reported seven the other day and right after reporting six. Where do you go on a powder day? Well, it depends where <laughs> the wind was blowing from. I tell you what, most often than not, um, did you know the, the area between slalom slope, upper slalom, and kind of the powder keg trees, uh, yeah. we've always called that butter bowl because it, that that's one of my favorites. It's... That's where I go. <laughs> it's like butter. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, and that's one of those areas cake. you don't have to jump directly into Black Diamond or Double Black Diamond yeah. terrain here on a powder day to have fun. But I, I love Butter Bowl. Yeah. Butter Bowl, powder keg. The left-hand side of Radical. Uh-huh. You know, because nobody ever goes there, I don't think, on their first run. It seems like I always beat everybody to <laughs> that spot. Now that's going to end with the podcast. <laughs> uh, Maybe I'll cut that part out. And I think one of the best kept secrets in the business is the dogwoods and the beavers. That is the best yeah. north facing steep tree skiing in the zone. Around. Yeah. And that's a place where you can ski three or four feet from where you skied the run before and it'll be different. Yeah. You know, so you're not on the same run. That's the way I feel here. So I'm not on the same run. I mean, you might call it the same, but I'm not skiing the same thing I just skied. You know, yep. again, back to that, if you're willing to explore if you're willing to wander around a little bit, you will find stuff constantly, almost no matter what the conditions are. 
there's anything we failed to mention, it's that attitude has a lot to do with the day you're going to have. And there's nothing wrong with doing what some here used to call skiing mahogany ridge. That meant calling it a day whenever you needed to, going to the bar and hanging out with your friends. As I like to say, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. If we're not going to go skiing, we might as right. well talk about it. Isn't that what you do for a living, Gates? <laughs> yeah. Right? If you're not turning right and left, you're talking, talking about, about turning right and left. Yeah. That's what we do here in marketing. Yeah. Yeah. We try to make time to go skiing, and otherwise we're talking about it. So I think that's another thing that separates us. Our employees ski a lot. Yeah. yeah. And so that's why they're such a wealth of knowledge. Yeah, this is unlike any other job. This is unlike any other place. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next episode, which is all about A Basin's famous East Wall. And while I promised myself I wouldn't make promises about promised episodes, that one is actually already in the works. Don't forget, if you need to buy a lift ticket, please do that online before you come see us as we do not sell lift tickets on site. On busy weekends and holidays, they will sell out. That is part of our effort to protect your experience by limiting crowds. And please carpool. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you on the mountain. Have a good day out there and remember your sunscreen.